Welcome into another edition of Hitting Hard with John Chuckery. Today on the show, Grady is back. Will Travis Schlenk make a big splash in the offseason? And are we handling Ronnie too much? I mean, are we putting him too much in bubble wrap thus far in the season? A lot to discuss today. It is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Lockdown Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Lockdown Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuckery. Thanks so much for being a part of the show today. I want you to go over to youtube.com, put in the browser Locked On Sports Atlanta, and subscribe to our ever growing YouTube channel. Leave us a comment. Tell us what you think about the show, about our episodes that we're putting up there. And of course, I ask you to follow me on my Twitter page. It is at JMCH316. Well, literally, as we were on air yesterday, the news broke that the Falcons extended defensive tackle Grady Jarrett. So he's got three more years added onto his contract at $51 million with $34.5 million guaranteed. So an average of $17.5 million per year. When you look at the uh, the quick numbers of it, um, the Falcons will actually pick up a good bit of cap space this year. Uh, his cap number, Grady Jarrett's, will drop down to 10, or sorry, $12.9 million for the year which will pick up $10.9 million in savings. So his cap hit in 2023 uh, will be $20.6 million, and then $20.3 in 2024, and then $20.3 in 2025 as well. Falcons now have about $16 million in available cap space. I, I thought a few things. One is, this is the right move. And I think it sends an important message that the Falcons are in this thing to win it. You know, it would have been very easy to allow Grady to sort of play this thing out or trade him and just get into full-on rebuild mode. And I know the Falcons brass, the coaching staff, the general manager, even the owner, they don't want to get into using those kinds of terms. And obviously, when you don't have your quarterback and you have the instability of your roster this much for the first time in whatever, 14 years out of all of it, it sort of is a rebuild. But this was an important step in letting fans and folks know that we want to we want to keep a competitive football team. We want to keep our stars. And and it's funny because this is what Arthur Smith said. You know, everybody's talking about the hundred and something million dollars that the Falcons are going to have available uh, to spend this offseason. Blah, blah blah blah. Well, one of the things that Arthur Smith specifically mentioned in his press conference after when when they did a post presser from the Matt Ryan, Deshaun Watson fallout, and all that kind of stuff was. We want to sign our own guys. And obviously, because of cap ramifications, they couldn't do anything with Russell Gage to keep him here. They couldn't do with you know anything with Foyer to keep him here. I don't know if they would have or wanted to or this, that, and the other, but I do know that they were not in a financial position to offer those guys a contract to stay here. So he said, we want to sign our guys. Well, you saw extending Jake Matthews, where a lot of the cap hit will be next year, you know, 2023, I should say, I guess. Uh, but in 2023 cap hit, to, to absorb some of that while they have lots of money. And now you see the extension of Grady Jarrett. So they're telling you that we want to keep the core of our guys, the guys that are high caliber players and the guys that make our team go. Because look, this is a team that very much a few weeks ago, we could have been looking and saying, wow, 
Brady might not be here. Ridley might not be here. You know, there may be a lot of changes and things like that. But this was a big first step in letting fans know that, hey, we are committed to making this thing right. We want to keep the core of our guys together. We're not in a full-on rebuild mode. And I think it's an important message to send. You know, they're getting Grady, first off, at a very reasonable deal. I mean, average of $17 million a year and just over $20 million for the next three years and you save on the cap this year, those are all good things. I mean, $20 million for a defensive tackle, that's in, near the top. I'm not saying he's Aaron Donald, but he's certainly up there as far as one of the probably four or five best defensive tackles in the league. Okay, that's the going rate is $20 million, and that's what you're going to get him for. And $34.5 million guaranteed, it's not that, not that big of a hit. I mean, so everything worked out. And the other part I like about this, too, is just – how quickly they got the Grady deal done. Wasn't sure if Grady was going to get traded on draft night. And, you know, talking to D. Orlando Ledbetter, the beat writer for the Falcons, he kind of thought that, you know, this would sort of play itself down the road. Like, you know, Grady wasn't at um, some of the workouts a couple of, you know, a week or two ago and just kind of thought that this would play itself out, that this could linger into the season, his contract, and this and the other. Man, you didn't want that, right? I mean, look, if you're a bad football team, if you're not a, a winning, successful football team, things like the Grady-Jarrett story start to get blown up out of proportion, right? I mean, look at the news media here in the last week or so, just even on Grady not being part of the workouts and stuff like that. And it leads all kinds of speculation. What's Grady going to do? Is he, is he going to get rid of him or this or that or whatever like that? I mean, it led to all kinds of speculation. Well, imagine you get toward and into the season and Grady doesn't have a new contract. And now you're like, okay, well, they've got to move before the trade deadline, this and the other, right? When you don't have a lot of good storylines to talk about because your football team isn't successful on the field, you're trying to find other stories about what the Falcons are. And the Grady contract would have been one of those things. So I love the fact that literally a couple of days after the draft, they've got this deal locked, loaded, ready to go. And everybody's on board, and let's move forward. And, you know, obviously Grady Jarrett himself had to think that, okay, one, this is where I want to be, you know, for the next handful of years and in probably my last big contract before I start to get into, you know, some one-year deals after that. But this is where I want to be. And it looks like the Falcons did some things in the draft or free agency, for that matter, to help me feel more assured about, what the direction of this team is. So this was a win-win all the way around. I think it sends a great message about we want to keep our guys together. We're committed to signing our guys. We're committed to keeping our talent here and not letting it walk away. We're not in the development of talent and then letting it leave us for somebody else for greener pastures. And by the way, the next thing now is probably to go get Chris Lindstrom extended, get his extension done. They picked up his fifth-year option. He'll go up to almost $14 million with his uh, fifth year out there, but he's the next guy that you're going to look and see that they're going to extend and give him a big money deal uh, too. And by the way, Quentin Nelson is going to set that market. It'll be interesting to see where Lindstrom fits within all of that. All right. When we get back, are we keeping Ronnie too much in bubble wrap? I, I had a problem with what happened yesterday in the double header and the availability of Ronald Acuna Jr. We'll talk about that next. It's hitting hard with John Chuckery on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Welcome back into Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked On Sports Atlanta. 
We appreciate you being a part of the show. We ask you to head over to YouTube and find us over there. Just put Locked On Sports Atlanta in your browser. Find us. Hit the subscribe button. Be a part of the growing community. Leave us a review. Tell us what you think. Uh, Give us a comment on our shows. And, of course, give me a follow on my personal Twitter page. That would be at JMCH316. Not a good day up in Gotham uh, for the Braves. We talked yesterday on the show. That was such a good win for the Braves and a much-needed win. And Freed went out and did what he had to do. Then yesterday, you lose a doubleheader. You know, now today becomes must-win for the Atlanta Braves. Good news is you only use four pitchers in a doubleheader. Um, You got two good starts. I mean, not great for Charlie Morton, but good enough. And he kind of labored through. But your offense couldn't come through, and, and you couldn't get some things done. Now, want to give you a couple of quick numbers here because I did have an issue with what happened in game one. So on this road trip, which is the three in Texas and so far the three games that you've played with the Mets, Albies, Ozuna, and Duvall are eight for 66 with 15 strikeouts on this road trip. In fact, Ozuna, since the start of last year, is only hitting 217 with 11 home runs and 316 plate appearances. It's been a struggle offensively. This was my problem yesterday. We knew Ronnie wasn't going to play in game one, but was going to play in game two. Not going to play back-to-back games and stuff like that. And most likely, I would assume, he's not going to play today either. Because they also said as part of these rules that Ronnie's not going to play a day game that comes after a night game. So today's a day game, getaway day. So it probably won't play. But last night in the 5-4 first game, there was an opportunity in the ninth for him to pinch hit. I think it was for Heredia that he would have come in and pinch hit for. And he didn't. And Snitker said after the game, when asked about it, that he wasn't available, that we're sticking to our plan and, and this, that, and the other. Now, I understand Snickers' position, and and he's doing what what the the, the organization and what the medicals and all that are saying out there. But are you you telling me that Ronald Acuna Jr. couldn't take an at-bat in a game? You know, that was was a chance in an important game when your team is struggling, you're down by one. Because here's the funny part. Ronnie starts game two, right? Lead-off double. First at bat, right? Lead off double. And you're thinking to yourself, damn, I would like to have had that in the last game when they were only down a run and you're trying to get after them. He couldn't have pinch hit. And, I, I, and I'm not asking Ronnie to play in back-to-back games. I'm not asking him to go out in the field. You could have subbed him in the field for somebody else. I mean, hell, in the old days when the pitchers hit, you had guys that came up for an at-bat and hit for the pitcher and everybody moved on. You mean to tell me that right now he's so much in bubble wrap? And I know the theory. We're waiting for a year before we get into him playing every day. I get that. And Snicker had this whole thing about, well, he had to get in the cage. Get in the cage. It's Ronald Acuna Jr. He's 22 years old. Grab a bat and go hit. Grab a stick. Go swing the stick. Go whack it all around, Ronnie. Here's your practice swings. Bada beep, bada boop, bada bop. There you go. Let's go. Couldn't get an at-bat in an important game? And, and I know I'm not trying to overblow what that was yesterday. 
But you are getting to a point of, okay, we're in the first week of May. You lose today, you're eight getting. Now is must win. There's no doubt about it. You got to start winning. You got to at least split with the Mets. But you're eight back. And you got three teams. I mean, again, this whole idea that we just flip a switch and all that. Well, hell, if that was that easy, wouldn't everybody do that? Wouldn't everybody just flip a switch and start hitting and pitching and all this kind of stuff? And what happens if the Mets are good? What happens with Scherzer and DeGrom that they end up being good this year? Well, then, then what happens? Because to be honest with you, the division for the last few years has been dog snot. You know, you've had a bunch of gut. Philadelphia Phillies, gutless. The Mets, gutless. The Marlins, stink. The Nationals, stink. You've been able to overcome that because you ain't had anybody good in your division. What if the Mets are good this year? And the fact that last night that they couldn't get Ronnie and at bat at the end of the game, I'm not asking him to hit in the first inning and play nine mornings. I'm not asking him to go out in the field even for a bottom of an I'm asking grab a bat, walk up the home plate, swing the bat, let's see what happens. He was going to play and start for nine innings 40 minutes later. Right? I mean, the game literally 40 minutes apart. He's going to go out there. How much in the cage and in this and in the dugout, how much of all this prep work did he have then? You mean to tell me that that we had you had to physically get him ready for an at-bat, knowing that he's about to play anyway? He didn't already have a sweat broken or anything? I, I mean, again, I understand the health and I understand the long game. But we're talking about a very narrow focused thing. Very narrow. Not talking about this. I'm talking about this narrow focused. Give me an A B. Are you telling me? Let's just say he went up there and hacked at three pitches, swung and miss, walked back to the dugout, that he was done for the day? That, that he couldn't, he couldn't, you know, that's it for Ronnie, man. We wore him out. We were going to start him in right field and play him for nine innings and let him get four hacks at it, but that one AB took it all out of him. Well, Chuck, you know, anything could happen. He might have gotten hurt. Okay, he could get hurt walking up the dugout steps. He could get hurt grabbing a ham and egg sandwich, you know, in the clubhouse. You know, he could get hurt, slip on a bar of soap in the shower. Come on. You know, I get health, but I, I need common sense. I'm trying to win baseball games right now. And if I think I can steal an at-bat with Ronnie and maybe, look, he doesn't do anything, so what? They lose anyway. But shouldn't I fire off some of my bullets in my gun? And and. On one hand, Snicker holds back Max Freed to pitch in New York, but then we can't use Ronnie for an advantage. Come on. That's all. I'm not asking for him to go out and do all this stuff. I just wanted a simple A-B. Grab a bat out of the rack, go up and give me a few hacks. And who knows? All right. He homers, ties the game. You put another fielder in. Put Arcia or whatever in the field. Hell, I don't care. Put Contreras. Whatever you got to do, just do something with it. 
but I'm trying to win baseball games. And while I understand this, I understand this big picture, I need a little bit of this. I need a little bit of time and situational and the, the moment that you're in. I just thought it was kind of crazy. Not mad at Snicker because this is what the medicals want. And this is what the front office wants out there. But it seems crazy that we couldn't grab a bat out of the rack, make a few cuts, and see what happens from there. All right, when we get back, um, I think Travis Schlenk is primed and ready. And I thought some of his comments yesterday were interesting in talking about this team. I'll explain all that next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Thanks for listening into Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Of course, we ask you to head over to our YouTube page. Put in your browser, Locked On Sports Atlanta. Subscribe to our YouTube channel there. Give us a review. Tell us what you think of the show. Leave us a comment. And I want you to follow me on my Twitter page. It is at JMCH316. Travis Schlenk uh, was on with the morning show on the radio station that I work for, 92 on the game, yesterday, and was talking about this offseason. And the Hawks are about ready to start having guys in for pre-draft workouts. I don't even care about the draft. Uh, in all honesty, I, I know they got two first-round picks. Who cares? We're, we're way past all of that, Okay. This is an important offseason to decide, are we more like the team that fought and struggled this past season to get in the playoffs, or are we more like the team that locked up a spot and made a run at the Eastern Conference Finals? <clears throat> and I understand the East got better last year and, and blah, 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 right? Okay. I think Travis Schlenk is poised to make a big, splashy move. He was talking yesterday about the roster that he admitted that they probably should have done something in hindsight. They probably should have made a move or two, done something different or what have you. He kind of owned up and understood the fact that they didn't do a whole lot, you know, to change up or improve this roster. I don't think Travis Schlenk is going to make that same mistake twice. I think Travis Schlenk knows that right now the Hawks are in a sort of a precarious position because this team, this franchise could go one direction or the other. Struggle to get in the playoffs, Eastern Conference Finals. Where are we? Where on the pendulum are we? We barely making it in Eastern Conference Finals. So I don't think he's going to make the same mistake twice. And I don't think it's a matter of. And, and he talked about we got free agents. Okay, every team in the league's got free agents. Okay, you got you got Ham and Eggers that are free agents. All right, the main core of your team is signed. Trey is signed. Collins signed. Capella signed. Herder signed. Hunter signed. Gallo signed, bogey signed. The main guys of your team are all signed, okay? All the rest of those pieces you can fill yourself in. You want, want DeLon Wright back? Fine. You bring DeLon Wright back. I mean, I'm talking about the big core of your team. They're also teetering on the luxury tax. So you're probably not just going to sign a big-name guy you know, just for the sake of signing them and squeezing him in or whatever like that without getting into a lot of luxury tax. There are names being brought up, but but what I believe is that Travis Schlenk is going to make a big, splashy move. He's going to bring in a high-caliber player onto this roster. Now, there are names being bantied about. A lot of them I don't like. Okay? We can run through them. First off, Zion. All right. Zion's played 85 games in his first two seasons in the NBA. 
I'm not enamored with Zion at all. I love when he's on the court. He's a tremendous player. But if I only got a guy for 40 or 50 games, that does my franchise no good, especially when I'm going to pay him a gazillion and a half dollars to be on it. And he looks like a guy who's trying to eat his way out of the league. Hell, I could do that. Feed me and I'll eat my way out of the league for a gazillion dollars. Carl Anthony Towns. Didn't they just kind of give away a playoff series against Memphis? I know he puts up all these numbers, but how good is their franchise? What's he done to lead them? And, and they had at least three games that they could have won in that series that they blew. <clears throat> so I'm going to bring a guy in who can't even take the franchises at now and kind of try to turn them in a good direction. I'm not, I'm not enamored with, I'm not enamored with, with guys who are really good on really bad teams. Rudy Gobert is a name that's being thrown about now. Okay. Don't I have the poor man's Rudy Gobert already in Clint Capella? Who, by the way, Gobert's about to be a 40-plus million-dollar player. You know, he's got 38 or whatever this year that he's going to make, and he's going to be in the 40s after that. That's great you got him locked up. He's 15 points and 15 rebounds. And and it's all, look, he may be the best defensive player in the league. He leads the league in rebounds. But I've got a guy in my post already that's locked up for half of his money that gives me 14 rebounds and 14 points. I don't think if I swap out, because basically what you're going to have to do is trade Capella and another player to probably Gallo or Bogey to make the money work right for Gobert. Okay, does adding Rudy Gobert with Collins and Herter make them that much better? I don't think so. I mean, I don't think that adding a fit, they don't need a guy who scores 15 in the paint. They need a perimeter player who's 25. <laughs> That's what they need. They need a wing player who can give them 25 a night out there now two names that are interesting obviously the one that's always brought up is bradley beal he's gonna cost you a crap ton of money and he's under contract and he's got 37 38 million dollars you know he's another guy that you're gonna have to give up some assets for i'm okay with bringing in beal um it's gonna cost you a lot but i'm okay with with that move and donovan mitchell is the other guy that i'm very much intrigued by something tells me utah may have to sort of hit the reset button that I'm not saying that they're ready to blow their team up or anything like that, but Utah feels like a team that is going to have to figure out or change up what they're going to do. Now, Mitchell's a guy, he's played only 67 games, but he's 26 points, five assists and four boards a night. That's the kind of guy that this team needs. I don't know what the trade compensation and the package is for it, it probably includes DeAndre Hunter, um, which is probably not going to be popular. But if that's what it takes to bring in a Donovan Mitchell, I'm all for it. And I'm all for the idea of, at this point, outside of Trey Young, I'm not protecting anybody. Now, my personal opinion, do I think that they're going to trade John Collins? I don't think they are. I don't think they signed him for $125 million to play one year and then move him on. I, I think they want to keep Collins and bring in another guy to compliment Trey and John, you know, like a guy that wedges right in between what those two guys are. But everybody else, I mean, I, I, I do think that anybody could be moved. Now, Gallo and Bogey become the most obvious choices because they're, you know, those two guys are 40 something million dollars worth of salary. <clears throat> but then again, you have to ask yourself, what's the market in those guys? You know, if I'm trading a star player, with all due respect, the talent doesn't match up. 
the contracts may match up, but the talent's not matching up for all of it. So it's going to be a difficult process for Schlenk. But I don't think that when he talks about this roster, that he's talking about, we're going to add a backup point guard. We're going to get a little bit better defensively. No, I think he understands they need another star. And look, the whole league's looking for those guys, right? I mean, that won't be unique to the Hawks, but I think he understands they need a star player. And he talks like a guy, just in listening to him speak about it, that knows and understands that they have to get this thing on track. They have to, again, then pendulum, are we, you know, Eastern Conference Finals, struggling to get in the playoffs? They've got to bring that thing back over to this side and get this thing. The only way you're going to bring it back over to this side is you got to add a star. You, you, you can't just add your backup point guard and a wing defender and get a little bit better defensively in this and the other. You have to add a guy who can be a player that comes in and can give you 25 or 26 a night. And who knows, maybe it's a point guard that let's Trey, they've already talked about this, you know, hey, maybe Trey Young has to play more without the ball. I don't know how that's going to work out. I don't know how, you know, much Trey is in tune with the coaching and stuff like that to, to say, okay, I believe in this system or whatever like that. But whatever it takes, they've got to find a guy. And I get the sense that Travis Schlenk is going to be uber aggressive. He may not add a bunch of pieces, okay? I don't think he's going to overhaul the roster because people are under contract. But I think whatever move that he does, there's going to be a big splash because he knows his job is on the line. If Nate McMillan doesn't get this thing turned around, his job may be on the line because last year was not acceptable. You know, to take that, to take that big of a step back is not an acceptable thing for this franchise. And it's going to make this franchise look like last year or two years ago, I should say, was a complete fluke. Watch for Travis Schlank to make a big, bold move. All right, we thank you so much for being a part uh, of our show. Thanks for missing, for making uh, Hitting Hard with John Trucker your first listen. Don't forget, make ATL Day 1's your second listen. My buddies Jarvis Davis and Tanitra Batiste take you all through Atlanta. Just a couple of friends that are talking about Hawks, Braves, Georgia, all things uh, Atlanta sports. Hell, probably even some HBCU conversation uh, as well. But always a fun time with them. Make them your second listen. And again, we want you to go over to YouTube and be a part of our channel there. Find at Locked on Sports Atlanta in the YouTube browser. Hit the subscribe button. Leave us a review. Tell us what you think about the show. And always follow me on my Twitter page at JMCH316. All right. We will be back with you tomorrow. Appreciate it. And uh, thanks for listening to Hitting Hard with John Chuckery.